The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. You want the good news, you want the bad news. I don't like either one of those options. Your words are super wise, man. You are a prophet. You deserve a prophet. You do whatever you want. Who am I to tell you what to do? But you're a psychologist. Well, I know less than you do. You're making me a better parent and a better wife, and thank God you're on the radio. What planet are you on? I don't buy any of that stuff. You know, I was looking for a deeper answer. What are you talking about? You make my afternoon really fun. Enjoy ya. You're about the most exciting thing I have right now. <laughs> now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Pushing you to use up to 13% of your brain, nudging you into the outer limits of your IQ, the red zone. Target zone of a psych aerobic workout, anywhere between 120 and 140 IQ. Can't hold it there very long, but if you happen to be with me on air during that sentence, you'll get some singeing effect. Nice to have you with me. This is The Doctor Is In. <clears throat> this is Look Back Friday. Talking to Andrew just recently, I, I realized that we've been doing Look Back Friday, what, Andrew, something like seven years now? I didn't realize that. Uh, Cousin of mine always said, whenever someone asks you in the past when something happened and you offer how many years ago it happened, he said, double it. And he's right. I was talking to Andrew, my producer, man, and I said, what have we been doing this about two, three years? He goes, it's been six or seven. I go, oh, oh. Or my brother and I shifted to working out at a different facility. I was talking with him. I said, how long have we been here? Six years? Eight years? He goes, 12. Like, man. Anyway, before I go on to these uh, previous calls that I will comment more upon them. Speaking of memory. To keep my license in force, I have to attend a certain amount of continuing education hours throughout a two-year biennium and I get to pick and choose the courses a few years back and actually it's probably not a few years back it's probably seven years back but it seems like it's only a few years back I took a course on memory I've always been fascinated by memory there is a phenomenon called flashbulb memories flashbulb memories are something that are so out of the norm in your experience that they sear into your brain not only what you experienced but where you were when it was who was nearby in other words this snapshot of everything at that moment happening when you experience this event the presenter was talking about the space shuttle disaster. Now, there's a part of me that says, well, let's see that space shuttle disaster. Andrew, look this up because I just want to see how far off I am. I'd say, well, I don't know. Was that about 15 years ago? I'll bet it was more than that. 
space shuttle disaster. The, fir- the first one with uh, Krista McAuliffe, where they had uh, all seven of the astronauts, a space shuttle went up, and it just kind of blew. Get out. He says it's 86. I'm going, yeah, it had to be. It had, you're right, 86. It had to be. I'm thinking, whoa, that had to be maybe, what, late 90s? See, exactly the point I mean. And this particular researcher asked his students at that time, please, this happened, I guess, the next day in class after the event or or shortly thereafter, day two, I don't know. Please write down where you were when this happened, when you when you first heard about it or first saw it, first became aware of it, write down the details of your experience. Where were you? Time of day? Whatever you think is relevant. And everybody turned these things into him. He waited a certain amount of time. If, I, if my memory, again, I don't trust my memory, but I'm going to say 10 years. He waited 10 years, 15 years. And he contacted as many of these former students as he could. He asked them again, please write down what you remember about that event as you experienced it. And they all did. He asked them to rate how confident they were in their recollection. Their confidence level was sky high. Of course, I'll never forget it. I know exactly where I was. It's seared into my brain. I'll never, ever, ever forget it. It's there. Well, these researchers, these psychological researchers, are very, very tricky. They're wascoly people. What he found... And again, I don't remember the exact percentages. But it was a significant number. Who, many years later, in writing down their recollection of the space shuttle disaster and how confident they were of their memory, were way off. Now, you have to assume that their first recounting, which occurred within days of the event, had to be the accurate one. Okay, That would be the, the valid memory. The one recalled 15 years later, 10, 15 years later, would somehow have been shaped by the passage of time by remembering the memory. Researchers will tell you that we don't necessarily remember something as much as we remember remembering it. It's like, it's like paint. You put a coat of paint over a previous coat, and then you paint it again six years later with another color, and then you paint it again four years later with another color. you got four coats of paint on that wall. The original coat of paint is underneath all that. It's kind of like a memory. The original memory is underneath 
a lot of thinking about it in the passage of time. What's the meaning of this for me? I don't quite have the confidence in thinking back about things long ago that I'm so absolutely sure that's exactly how they happened. They may have. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not willing to discount all my memories and go, well, you know what, I don't remember anything about anything. Of course, with my age, that's starting to happen. But I'm a little more wary of my memory in the sense that we remember the memory and remember it again and remember it again. And this is a topic for a future manologue. This is why repressed memories, things that only come to light 27 years later and were never, ever, ever in any way ever remembered at all, are highly suspect and unreliable. And we've seen some high-profile political figures get attacked on the basis of repressed memories. All righty. This is Look Back Friday. When we shall come back. Oh, got a, got a wedding dividing up a family. Oh, boy, boy, boy. That's kind of like hey, about the only thing I know that divides up a family that well on a moment's notice is the passing of the last parent and then the fight over the inheritance seen that divide up a lot of families but this one has got a, a wedding division well I'll find that out when we get back i'm dr ray underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything even things you don't believe in there are options you can join solidarity health share a faith-based health sharing community plus Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. Remember the time I said on the air, go to confession. And when you're done, go out and have a big ice cream soda. Celebrate. And a man wrote to me, he said, you know, I hadn't gone to confession in 30 years. Do you mind if I went and had a pizza? (laughs) I said, oh, have 20 pizzas. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. 
This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. Expanding your super ego while shrinking your id. Using a little Freudian lingo there. According to Freud, superego was the conscience. The id was the cauldron of your gurgling passions. Well, not too many people follow Freudian theory these days, and it certainly would clash rather prominently with religion. Freud was an atheist, and he just saw the human psyche is structured quite different than much of Christianity would view it. <clears throat> All right, look back Friday. Liliana from Georgia. A whole bunch of family members got this wedding coming up. And, well, the wedding is apparently not a time, or it is not becoming a time, for unity. Well, family member, three years ago, got involved in different kind of bad decisions, and she um, ended up getting involved with a married man. Fast forward, it was a public scandal. Fast forward, uh, they're getting married in next month. And when we received the invitation, uh, we talked within our family of seven children, husband, and decided, my husband decided that we shouldn't go, shouldn't attend the wedding. Uh, not because we hate them or dislike them, just because what they did was awfully wrong. However, a couple of weeks later after that decision, we talked to our family members, the parents of this, this girl, and let them know about the, our decision, and they seem okay. They understand. My husband also talked privately with uh, our oldest two daughters, uh, 18 and 20 years old, and told them that because they received separate invitations and told them that he wouldn't judge them if they decide to go because they are an adult. One of them decided not to go. And my oldest decided to go. Does your oldest live with you? Yes. Both of them live with us. And I've been pretty upset about it. And I discussed with her why we shouldn't go, why her decision is affecting our family image. You know, because I'm thinking what they're going to say about us is just because it's, it's, not, it's not proper. If the family is not going, she shouldn't go. Also, the example that she's giving to her youngest siblings, basically, they're going you've, to say... You've told her all that, Liliana. You've yeah, told her I all told that. Her and that. didn't she say, okay, mom, okay, mom, that makes sense. I won't go. She didn't say that. Right. She, she wants to go. She wants to go to the wedding and be there. So, so what are you going to do I'm about it? I'm trying to cope with that. And, and my husband is cool about it. He's like, well, it's her decision. We'll let her know about our decision. And... Let's move on. Um, I'm trying to cope with that, so that's that's what I need your advice. Well, you got two okay. pieces. You got two pieces making the picture complex here. One is she is 20 years old, although although she lives in your home, so that does give you a little bit of leverage. But but she is an adult. The other is your husband doesn't agree with you. If your husband agreed with you, he could say, well. I think we ought to tell her if she's going to do this, it's her decision, 
but we're not going to support it, which means she's an adult now, so she, she needs to find some place to live. He could do that. There's nothing nothing stopping him from doing that. Most parents wouldn't yeah. do that, but it's well within his parental rights. But yeah. he doesn't want to do that. He more or less no. says, Liliana, she's 20 years old. We made our our view known, and uh, she just decided, no, I'm going to do this. Now, you've tried to convince her, and obviously she doesn't want to hear it. The other problem you have is that she looks at your reasoning and she looks at your husband's reasoning and she says, well, you're, you're, you both disagree. So it, yeah. really does, it, doesn't, really, it doesn't really matter. Uh, one yeah, says exactly. yes, one says no. So I'll, I'm going to take the one that says yes. Yeah, correct. I, sure. I was telling my husband last night, I said, I wish you hadn't told her that, that you wouldn't judge her. She lives under a roof. Uh, she depends on us on many aspects, not to diminish her because of that. But we are giving her protection financially and with food and making sure that she's still alive for life, right? And um, I wish that she would honor our decision. And I would understand if she has her own home, uh, spending her own hard, hard-earned money, but she's with us. So I wish that you shouldn't have said that to her. He let's not let's he, not make it a marital problem. In yeah, other words, I, I, don't 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 I do know, that. Yeah. Don't say yeah. okay, okay, you you betrayed our morals, you undercut me, uh, you've you've made it difficult. You've you've allowed our daughter to do something that I believe is is morally seriously suspect. Uh, boy, yeah, this sure. is this is a real problem. I can't believe you did this. You you, you got to watch that you don't make this into a situation where the other six kids are looking at you going, well, you know, now it's getting ugly. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Okay. I think I think you can right. tell her, be honest with her, say, you know, your, your dad, he's not staunch about this, and yeah. therefore I can't stop you. My only other option is to ask you to move out. And at this yeah. point, I'm not, I'm not willing to do that. I mean, if you're not, yeah. I'm assuming yeah. you're not. So therefore... No, you, I mean, obviously, you could have leverage. You can say, well, I'm not going to pay for this, that, and the other. If you do this, you're going to pay your own car insurance. Or if you do this, you're going to pay your own smartphone. You can yeah. do that. You can say, well, okay, but because you live with us, we do have a little bit of leverage, and I'm going to exert it. You can do that. Uh, there's nothing. You're the parent. You make these decisions. This is that nebulous area where parents wonder how much they can assert their particular conditions. For example, if you have a 21-year-old living at home, going to college, and working, and this particular 21-year-old is resistant to going to church, more than resistant, uh, refusing, essence, do you say, well, you can't live here then? get out, you're going to have to make your own college way, you're going to have to find your own finances. You, you can do that. But a lot of parents will say, well, we won't do that till she graduates. We'll figure that out. It's, again, it is the parents' judgment on this. Now, in this case, the daughter, 20-year-old, is going to the wedding. Mom says, told you how we feel. This is, uh, I hate to say how we feel. This, we told you how we think, how we believe. And therefore, this is what we wish you would do in line with us. The daughter's saying, no, 
Now, I misspoke. I said something to the effect where mom said, this is how we think. It's not how we think. It's how she thinks. Dad doesn't think that way. So that definitely complicates the picture. There's no question that complicates the picture. So I think what mom wanted was some sort of reasoning that she hadn't tried and that I was privy to, which, again, very hard to be privy to formulaic reasoning. In other words, how do you convince a 20-year-old to act in a certain moral direction as though there is one set of reasoning principles that work across the board with everybody at all times and all moral issues. That's just not true. It, it comes down to knowing the person, knowing the depth of their faith, knowing the depth of their resistance. And this is something you can't know unless you're integrally involved in this family situation. I don't know how strongly this 20-year-old feels. I don't know if dad would back up mom if mom said, well, you, you can't go and we're going we're gonna to draw a line in the sand here. And if you go, you're going to have to make your own way in about a month. You're going to find your own place. And most parents would not do that, but some do. And, and they have the right to do that. The child's 20 years old. They have, the, they have the right to say, hey, you're 20 years old. You need to find your own place, even though you're not doing anything wrong at all. I know, I know a lot of parents who do that. I know parents who say, you're 18, time for you to be on your own. So all that said, I think mom may have a personal struggle, which is avoid resentment toward her daughter and toward her husband. Avoid a reverberating upset over the circumstances if she decides this is what we're going to allow to happen because obviously she's not totally responsible to keep a child from doing something morally wrong well child adult then once that is determined once she's decided this then you have to not cling to any kind of upset resentment criticalness bringing the issue up every time you can't do that you you've already said all right i acquiesce on this and again the question becomes what does acquiesce mean if if the daughter says i'm not going to do that and the parent says you have to do that. And the daughter says, I'm not 14. Now what? If you're not ready to say, well, here's what, here's the conditions, then you essentially have to back off and let the child act inappropriately. It's like the parent who says, my son is living with his girlfriend. He's been living with her for seven months. We don't allow him to come to our house because we don't want to approve of what he's doing. And I say, well, okay, but have you seen your son? Twice. Have you seen his girlfriend? Not at all. 
So the question then becomes, are you condoning what he's doing by having a relationship with his girlfriend? You're not. You're saying you're an adult. You're doing things that we raised you not to do, that we believe are wrong in God's law. But at the same time, we still want a relationship with you and with her. Father Benedict Rochelle. I don't think people should have negative fears of God, but I think you should get a lump in your throat. You should feel excited. Suppose I was going to take you and introduce you to the Pope or to the president of some country or something. You might get a little lump in your throat. Forget it. Every day, you, I, live and move and have our being in the presence of God. These are the class of feelings we should have. And we should have them to an intense degree if we really had the sight of Almighty God. These feelings are the feelings which we shall have if we realize His presence. And in proportion, as we believe that He is present, we shall have them. And not to have them is not to realize, not to believe that God is present to us. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. For Christians, love was central to everything because before the creation of the universe, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lived in all eternity communicating in love between themselves. This is going on before there's ever a moment that we refer to as in the beginning. So Christianity introduces into the history of human thought this idea that love is underneath it all. In fact, Luke Berry, this atheist philosopher writer, says it's quite clear that without this Christian belief that love is at the center of things, we would not have our human rights revolution that we talk about today. We take this for granted. You know, we have gay rights and women's rights and transgender rights and minority rights and this right and that right. There'd be no rights whatsoever without the incarnate Son of God. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. I've been considering stopping eating healthy foods. As I get older, I'm realizing I need all the preservatives I can get. It's important there. I'm Dr. Ray Grandy. Thank you for joining me here on The Doctor is In, Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time, co-production of the EWCN Global Catholic Radio Network and Ave Maria Radio Communications there in Ann Arbor. The TV show, Living Right with Dr. Ray, is uh, approaching its 12th season 
to begin airing new episodes very, very shortly. we got some really, really, really fun ones coming up, to paraphrase Ed Sullivan. Really, really, really big shoe. I'm showing my age. There's probably none of you who remembers the really big shoe. Um, what else? My website's drray.com. I have uh, 17 books there. If you're interested, they're there. They're signed. Okay, let's see. Uh, Danette says she struggles because she preoccupies herself with wishing and hoping, as the song goes, that things would be different. Yeah, I'm just calling to see if there's any suggestions you can help me with to get over fantasizing. I fantasize about situations that don't turn out the way I would like it to have turned out. So I fantasize the way I would have had them to turn out. Had <laughs> you ever stop yourself from doing that? I've caught myself doing it, yes. Do you stop yourself? Occasionally I can, but uh, sometimes I just fall into it. It's a comfortable it's a comfortable situation. It makes me feel better. Well, let me take a guess here. Since you came to the right place for speculations, my guess would be that the ones that you have a hard time letting go of and you you ponder how nice it would have been if it would have worked out the way you wanted it to have more to do with you personally something that was either an unpleasant situation for you, somebody acted a certain way toward you. Uh, so those are the ones where you have more invested in them working out differently than they did. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. Aha! It's very close to my heart, you know, especially with a situation about my mother in my and when I was a teenager well <laughs> how long ago was that now that's been about um let's see that's been about oh my goodness 50 years ago now don't tell me Danette that you're still rolling that through your head I sure am I just oh. can't get my loose from it you know what I've learned yes. as a shrink? You know, my dear, I've learned this as a shrink over and over again. We think that we are victims of our thoughts. When we start thinking about something, and it causes distress or anxiety or unsettlement, we think, well, I just have to keep thinking about it until it goes away, until I fall asleep, until I get distracted, until somebody calls me on the phone. No, you... Have control over your thoughts. You can say to yourself each and every time, this happens. You can say, and we'll use your 50-year-old example. You can say, Danette, what are you doing to yourself? This is really dumb. Why? Cut it out. I'm going to think about something else. And you can do that, you know. It just takes a little practice, but you can do that. You've just never done it. You've just thought, well, once this happens, I can't do anything about it because I just start thinking that way. Of course you can. You're, you, my dear, are in control of your head. 
Not me. Of course, I might be in control of your head because you called. But, and you know, I don't want to be someone that after you hang up, you say, you know, how could I have handled that call differently? Yeah, you know, that call didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Uh, what could I have done better? How should that have worked? Don't do that. I would rather have you say Garendi is a jerk and then not worry about it than to you to analyze analyze the whole bit to make yourself upset. So there you go. When you start doing well, this to I yourself. That. I appreciate your advice. <laughs> well, I appreciate your accent. I just love, I love that accent. I would guess that next to our emotions, because people think they pretty much are victims of their emotions. That's just how I feel. I can't help it. You can't control how you feel. Follow your feelings. We've elevated emotions to the dictators of our lives. But we also give too much power to thoughts in the sense that we have a lot of power over what thoughts we want to entertain. Now, in Danette's case, she spends a lot of time thinking, wouldn't it have been nice if this were different? Or I'd have done this differently. Or this would have happened differently. She dwells on that. She doesn't stop with saying it would have been nice, but it didn't. She she doesn't stop there. She doesn't stop there at all. What she does is she creates, kind of like a playwright, a script in her head. And she follows that script. And that script can be long. And those thoughts, in in a way, she almost sees as extraneous to her in other words they're out they're outside her brain if you will they're outside her control these are just things that affect her if i have to be upset about a situation then i have to think about it i have to mull it over i have to relive it i have to what if it i have to ponder what i could have done differently now to some degree we all do that the question becomes for how long and how much of our thinking time do we allow this to take over our thoughts are not independent of us we control them and kind of like feelings, we've, we've elevated our re- reiterating, remunerating, no, not remunerating, it reiterating thoughts to something that takes over us rather than we stop them, redirect them, turn our attention elsewhere in that. A lot of people don't even say to themselves, I don't want to think about this anymore. And then they stop. But they don't do that.
Family Connection with Teresa Tomio. Jesus Christ, as I say in my book, Extreme Makeover, Women Transformed by Christ, Not Conformed to the Culture, is the biggest woman's lipper that ever walked the earth. He was well ahead of his time in the way he related to women, the way he spoke to women, the way he included women in his ministry. If you don't believe me, go to the Gospel of John and read the encounter of the Samaritan woman. Jews did not mix with Samaritans. And yet there Jesus was sitting in a well, the Samaritan woman comes along. And she is coming at the middle of the day because she's living a very, very questionable life. She's coming to the well to avoid the looks and the stares and the comments and the gossip. She comes at midday when pretty much no one be around except there is God waiting for her at the well. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. What is a bromance? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. This word bromance is used by younger men to describe close friendships with other young guys. You know, the guys who manhug and chest bump? Let's face it, generally, women can make friends more easily than men. My wife can make a new friend coming out of the ladies' room. While this may be tougher for guys, younger men now reflect that their close male-to-male friendships are getting deeper and growing. Many guys who only seem to communicate with crude jokes to each other are now more open to sharing, being vulnerable and authentic with each other. This is likely good news for so many reasons, including emotional and mental health. Developing close male bonds includes sharing much about life. Being a good listener is a key to a strong buddy relationship, too. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Make you feel like drinking lemonade. I remember one time I was uh, reading a commentator, and he was talking about this was when music videos first made the scene. And he was bemoaning the individual loss of the images conjured up by a song. Many of you, okay, this touches upon our memories, but many of you have songs that when you hear them, you think of a certain person. Or a certain time. Maybe you were on vacation and this song was popular and being replayed when they played songs on the radio nine times. And so that song became associated with that particular time and place in your life. And all of us had have these idiosyncratic, these individual memories attached to the songs. You were in high school. This song was big in high school, and you remembered it when you, when you used to sit outside the fast food joint, and the song would play, and you remember the friend that you would go through the fast food joint with. And the commentator was bemoaning the fact that with music videos, what it did is it made universal the image of the song. I think there's, I think there's something to be said about that. Marine... Well, let me see if I'm looking at the, i tell you, I don't know, trying to decide whether to get two more in or one more in. If I go Marine, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go Marine. Uh, her husband left her and uh, not only was that a major blindside, but she's, she's hoping. 
<laughs> have you had any contact with your husband in the last year and a half? For the first six months, I was seeing him almost every week for maybe about 20 minutes. He would stop by to see how I was doing. Now the only time I have any contact is when it's with the lawyer. I do try calling him, but he doesn't answer my calls. Um, he doesn't stop by. I have mail for him since July of last year. And I have told him, you know, I have a lot of mail here for you, but he doesn't care about it. Are you asking a particular question, like, what do I do with the mail? Or are you saying, what do I do with my husband? Well, no, I have not I have not said, what do I do with your mail? I said, your mail is here. You're more than welcome to pick it up. You're more than welcome to come home any time. Has he got another girl? Does he? Yes. Hmm. I figure most of the time that's the case, by the way. Um, most of the time what? Most of the time that's the case. Yes. When somebody leaves after a lot, a lot of years of marriage, what pushes them out the door is that they have, quote, unquote, found someone else that will make them happy. So your case... A year and a half now. Are you yes. what? How are you navigating this? Well, for the first, um, I say nine, ten months, I was a little, literally a wreck. I cried constantly. Nobody could mention his name, or I would break out into tears. Um, I'm responsible for everything now. The house, everything to do with the house, you know, as far as upkeep, everything. And I felt it overwhelming, but I am dealing with it. I feel as if I'm getting a little bit better now, but sometimes I feel like, am I trying to kid myself that he's coming back? Because he's open to come back anytime he wants. The last time I saw him was at a mediation process, and I told him, I still love you. You can come back anytime you want, no questions. Because I love you. I think, for your, I think for your peace. Yes. You might look at this as if to say, I will not expect him to come back. Okay. If he does, that will be an unexpected bonus. One thing I could offer you, Marine, to give you a little more peace. Well, more than one. The first thing is, you, you better quit blaming yourself. We better quit scouring the last 25 years and saying, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Why did he leave me? Why didn't we get the guy? I don't understand what happened. You, I know you've been doing that. Been yeah. beating yourself up one side and down the other. Even if, my dear, you were not the best wife you could be, which I'm not the best husband I can be, and I don't think anybody listening to me is the best spouse they can be. Even if you weren't. You were human in your love. And whatever you did, you did as you tried to make your marriage work. I would bet, now you just you don't have to, you don't have to respond to this, but I would just bet that if your husband left you after twenty five years, he was not necessarily the easiest guy to live with. You oh, you're completely wrong. He uh, was the greatest guy to live with. So wait so a minute. Kind. How do you put those? Yes. How do you put those two together? Was he religious? He became a Catholic 
when we were engaged because I told him I would not marry anybody so unless he, they were a Catholic. He did it for you, but during your marriage, did he uh, really yes, embrace he it as his own? Faithfully, every um, Sunday, we said prayers, not religiously, you know, every day, but we did say prayers together, either prayers before meals or... Marina, I'm going to say something that I'm going to say something that might surprise you. Okay. It's very hard for me to put two together. Where one is, he was a wonderful, devoted, loving, religious husband, and oh by the way, he left me for somebody else. That's really hard for me as a psychologist to put together. Now, I don't know your husband, so I can't conclude that. However, I guess what I'm saying to you is, if you think he's the most wonderful person to walk the face of the earth, and he left you, then obviously that means it was your fault. Because somebody that wonderful wouldn't leave you unless you were a witch to live with, at least in your mind. So the one thing I think I can give you is, he's probably not quite the saint you think he is, and you're probably not quite the sinner you think you are. Now, maybe that'll give you a little peace. At least it'll keep you from beating yourself up. One of the common things I hear in post-marital therapy, this is after there's been an attempt at marriage counseling and it went nowhere, usually it's uh, doomed from the start if one of the spouses only agrees to come in so that he or she can be able to say, well, we tried counseling and it didn't work. And that's usually obvious the first session or two that that's their attitude. And I confront them with that. I say, are you here because you actually want to reconcile and make this marriage move forward? Or do you have grave doubts? Well, I'm here because she wants me to. Okay, so that 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 says it. So... In cases like that, sometimes somebody will say, well, this is not who she is. This is not at all who she is. I'm so shocked that she's doing this. Or, I don't, I've never seen this in him. This, no, no, this, I can't, I don't know who this is. This is not my husband. Now, in a situation like that, the question that comes to mind is, well, who is it? One can say, in this situation, at this time, in this marriage, this is who the person is. This is a guy who's going to leave his wife and kids. Five years ago, it seemed totally unthinkable. You wouldn't do that. Goes to Mass every Sunday. Sometimes even goes during the week. Do you believe that? What happened? If... Marine and her husband were in my office. One of the things I'd start to explore. Let's let's rewind about a year ago. And he's on the edge of wanting to leave. Now I find it fascinating, though. Just as an aside here, I find it fascinating that for a while he kept up contact with her. Now, my guess would be, I can't know this, but my guess would be that his girlfriend started pressuring him. You can't keep going back and saying hello to your wife. you got to start your life with me. That'd be my guess. 
especially since he won't respond to her at all, even regarding business. So I would ask him, and I would I would talk about, explore the marriage. I would bet that he had been building in his own mind a lot of dissatisfaction. Almost always there. When you have somebody that, quote-unquote, unexpectedly just walks out totally counter to their personality. This is unlike anything I would ever have expected from them. When you explore it, much of the time, maybe not all of the time, but much of the time, they were ripe to leave. They just needed the trigger. They just needed to meet someone who said, okay, well, now I got an option here. This is better. I can do this. I think Marine is being incredibly heroic. She is saying the door is open. I'm always ready for reconciliation. But for her to say because I'm thinking that, it's more likely to happen. I, I think at this point for her own peace, she's got to let go of the idea that it's likely to happen. I think the, and I've seen this, I think the, way it would happen most likely is that the relationship with this other woman would fall apart. That's when I see spouses come back and attempt to reunite. But until then, till then, for her own peace, she's got to quit looking back and wondering all the ways she did wrong to drive him away. Because my guess would be he was interpreting a lot of things that was setting himself up to want to walk away. I'm Dr. Ray. He was a doctor of the church and one of the most famous saints of all time. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. Augustine is honored for his immense contributions to theology, but he balanced his genius with humility. Once declared it was pride that changed angels into devils, it is humility that makes men as angels. He died in 461. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. Tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. That is seatonhome.org. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 
844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. I'm going to say that then. Exactly. Andrew Kruchek in the break. We usually banter a little bit. A little botanage, a little persiflage. Closing up this variant of The Doctor is In, Look Back Friday. Don't have time for another call. But we were talking a little bit. He was teasing me. He said, well, maybe you could do a little uh, little um, tutorial on, wi- on whistling. People don't whistle. And I got to thinking about that. I always get to think about stuff. What is it when when you, okay, if you play a piano, you look at those keys and you know where you're supposed to go on the basis of the notes you're seeing on that music and those keys. You, you can translate that. Whistling is something very different. How do you know? How do you gauge what sound to make by moving all the parts of your mouth to make that sound? Let me give you an example. Now, those of you who might recognize, that's a song from Andy Griffith, the uh, whistling opening in Andy Griffith. I have no idea, none. If somebody were to say to me, okay, Write down exactly how you put your mouth and your lips and the amount of moisture you had to make those notes. I'd say, I have no idea. I have no clue. I think that's a fascinating aspect of the human condition. How do we do so much automatically that we don't really have to think about doing and that's true with not just whistling. It's true with anything you have a skill at. Your brain takes over and says, here's what you do. And I've always been fascinated by whistling because you, you can't instruct somebody on how to whistle. You can instruct them on playing an instrument. You can instruct them on playing the drums. Even the harmonica. But you cannot instruct them on how to whistle. They either know how or they don't. They might be able to improve a little bit, but the good whistlers have some kind of innate skill that God wired into their brain that says, you can do this. Always fascinated me. It's always fascinated me how. Oh, you want to know something else? All right. The soul. My brain tells my whistling where to go. How do I control my brain? It's not random. It can't be random. There's got to be something playing my brain to tell my brain what to tell my mouth. I think the soul is the best name for that. Dr. Ray here. Thank you so much. Walk with God. God will teach you how to whistle. He knows exactly how it's done. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. 
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.